The sermon for today is my thoughts on the Independence Day that we just went past. But I thought, well, I'll kind of stay away from directly talking about some of that, and yet I want to get something into the service. So the sermon's title is Free at Last. The more I got into this, the more inspired I got. At first, I, I just couldn't get going. Pearl said, uh, you know, realize what time it is? <laughs> and when she left the room so she wouldn't know, I got on my knees. <laughs> and uh, I was praying about uh, feeling right about what I would do for today's service and be able to uh, uh, give something that was timely and something that was scriptural and so on. Because we definitely want to serve God with uh, knowledge of the scriptures and spiritual growth in the scriptures. I hope you're all still reading. So keep going on reading your Bible on one year plan or the two year, whichever. Keep, keep going. Uh, uh, it's a blessing. And again, the audio recordings or video recordings are available. Uh, I saw one video recording that was a guy reciting the Bible. He was not reading it, he was reciting it. And wow, this is unbelievable. It was nothing very fancy, like he didn't have some special clothing on or didn't try to change his voices or have a woman's voice at times. And there was none of that. It was Bible. And I thought, wow, this is so great, just unbelievably good idea. And we really enjoy the CDs um, with just audio. We're into uh, First Chronicles, and if you've read the first 10 chapters in there, you'd, <laughs> you'd rather it be on audio. <laughs> Let him say all those words, all those hard words that are there. And he trucks right along, doesn't uh, stumble at all. So uh, it's great, though, to get all of the uh, texture of the Bible and to have a pen, pencil, a red pencil, or something available to highlight certain things. But why are we free, I guess, is one of the things that would come to mind. What scriptures are we going to use? Well, Galatians really falls into this. And sometimes it's a little awkward to, uh, to preach from Galatians. Uh, it's better in a Bible study, in a Wednesday night service, where you can really take the time to discuss what's there. But I want to use some of those verses here today. And uh, uh, I want to first go to a reading. I got this offline, so I'm going to have to just tell some of it and not go too far. Uh, you've probably heard of the sermon called, I Have a Dream. And I've heard it and I thought, well, did I only hear part of it? Or maybe you only do catch parts of it when it's on news uh, sometimes. Uh, when you hear of a certain date relating to the sermon by Martin Luther King. And uh, you say, well, did I hear it all or not? Well, you know, it's only six pages long uh, and the pages were small. So it's not a real long sermon. But whenever I hear him saying it, I feel the punchlines in different places that I, could, I can't duplicate. So I hope that you could go. It's online. It's on... Uh, Wikipedia, you can do a video or you can do the audio, which I, I took the, the written part of it so that I could just uh, read it and look at it and then I typed, uh, printed it off. He starts off, I'm happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom 
in the history of our nation. He didn't realize he was speaking prophecy at that moment. He had no idea that he was going to be killed and that even more so this moment in time was going to really be special. Then he starts off a little bit like President Lincoln. Next paragraph, five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree is a great beacon of light to millions of Negro slaves who have been seared with the flames of withering injustice. And nowadays you couldn't even use that word. Be politically incorrect. But he was one, so he was able to use it. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of captivity. We realize the plight that they were in. You take a look at the Bible and you study all of the travels of Israel, the Egyptian experience and coming out of Egypt and you know, um, you can just feel this in the story and they are in the same plight. Uh, let me can carry on. It came as a joyous daybreak, okay, that kept him. But a hundred years later, the Negro is still not free. One hundred years later, the life of the Negro is still badly crippled by the massacre of segregation and the chains of discrimination. I thought, what is this massacre? I had to look it up. It means hampered, or worse, handcuffed, or fettered, or restrained from having rights and freedoms. So you'd have to go through this, you'd have to read this uh, it's great reading. It's not very long. Like I say, it's, it's narrow pages on here, not very long. But let me go down to his last few paragraphs on here. He talks about where the freedom bell should ring. He starts naming cities. Bang, 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 bang. He starts naming cities. Uh, from Pennsylvania to the Rockies of California to the slopes of California. Next paragraph. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain in Georgia. Let freedom ring from the Outlook Mountain in Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and molehill of Mississippi. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. When we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every city and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black and white, Jew and Gentile, Protestant and Catholic, shall be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, great God Almighty, we are free at last. And I've got that later in my sermon, the actual poetry that came from there. Amazing. 
the freedom. I, you know, I, I can go back. To, this is my era, right? It's 1963. I was living in Missouri, 1963, when all of this was happening. I'm thinking, I, I, I never knew any of this. From Canada, you know, I, I didn't know it. We had a black lady living with us in our house in the basement. We, we had our pickers up and sleep in the basement in bunks and so on. There was eating quarters down there. And so and she worked with us picking in her fields. She said. And uh, of course, I worked side by side with anybody that came. You know, we worked side by side in the field. And I never knew there was a difference. Or it's supposed to be a difference. I, I didn't know that. We weren't raised that way to know a, di a difference. Because when I was 10 years old, this was our standard. And this was for everybody that brought us all into one culture. If this is our culture, if this is our mannerism, our behaviors, our standards of living, we're all in the same thing, no matter what country we're in or from. So, yeah, I look at the story of driving Miss Daisy and Wow, was that really happening? And then you realize, yeah, it was really happening. That movie, Driving Miss Daisy, I don't know what rating it is, but uh, I think it's just PG or something, um, or no, no standard, but uh, no, no higher rating, which gets worse. But my goodness, I lived in that era, and I didn't know all of that was going on. Okay. Free at last for them. So turn with me to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. While you're looking for it, I was thinking of speaking about the country we love, the type of government we have. As someone said, it's the best going around. <laughs> May not be perfect, but it's the best going around. We need to pray for our government, pray for our rulers that rule over us and guide us. And uh, thank God for the protection in this country, the freedoms that we have, and for God's personal protection that we have. But Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherein Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage, He's talking to these people at Galatia, probably not Hebrew people, right? He's saying don't go into this slavery because there was slaves in those days. And when you come to the Lord's Supper, is it the master that's gonna wash the slave's feet? Oh yeah, highly likely. You're all of the same faith, all of the same believing. Highly likely that this could be an exchange. Not the slaves are over there and the masters are over here. You know, uh, That doesn't work. So he says you have this liberty in Christ. Yeah, there's still a law that the, your master owns you and you need to work with him, but the masters also were told to treat those people that are fellow believers in Christ differently than somebody that is not a believer and could do you harm, could run away, could do this, could do that. Where if they were a believer, they'd stay with you. It'd be an honor and a blessing to you. And, and of course, that's in uh, um, Philemon. 
from the book of Philemon. Read that one. And uh, where Paul is telling him to take back his servant because now he's a good servant that will be a blessing to him. So here we have the beginning of the thoughts on the declaration of independence from salvation by works and a manifesto of liberty in the Gospels or in, in leading the Gospel. In such a little book as Galatians, Paul writes in 149 verses as three, if you could shrink it all down to three words, it means free at last. Free at last. Freedom is generally assumed to be a birthright of all people. Isn't that what the president said in his speech? An alien, alien, old rights. Yet people are every uh, anything but free because they're in bondage to their lot in life. There, uh, uh, there's psychological causes. There's economic causes. There's political causes that people are actually enslaved. And we think, well, not, not in our time. Yeah, but you think about all of the things that people have to have now in order to exist. They all cost money. They can't afford it. So they work day and night to supply the things that don't feed them or clothe them. Right? Talk to people about they have to have their cable TV, because that's where their telephone comes from, and that's where their only news broadcasts come from. But now they have to pay. <laughs> that's that's a horrible situation. You're in slavery. We can't have this. You know, we can't do without this. We can't do without that because of the society that we're in. We have to own a car. It's the society we're in. Yet you got to pay for that, and they're getting more and more expensive too. <laughs> Uh, Will Rogers was it that said that uh, it was the only country in the world where you um, the poor go to the poor house in their automobile. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we don't realize what we uh, that we are in slavery, and there's uh, uh, people really do need to be freed from some of those things, uh, removing people from some of those will allow um, or prevent uh, from those things. We're experiencing freedom. You know, all of these other things that are around us are keeping us from experiencing freedom, which is only in Christ Jesus, our true freedom. So Galatians, uh, like the Galatians, ours is a happy experiencing knowing that because Jesus Christ, because of Jesus Christ and Him alone, we have freedom at last. We are free at last. So if I go through about three different points here, one is uh, free to be saved by faith. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, I read here, Knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For the works of the law shall no man be justified. 
we have to try to put this in our own world. We, it's hard to go back to the Hebrew um, uh, Old Testament. Uh, if you came to Christ in Galatians time, would you have to learn Hebrew? Yeah, if you wanted to read it. It wasn't available in your, in your language. Uh, they used religious terms from the Hebrew culture. Do we need to learn that? Well, in practical senses, it won't work because this is supposed to go to the whole world, all these nations, all of these languages, all of these cultures. This Bible has to reach them all. This ideas, the teachings have to reach them all. So how do we do that? Well, uh, in our modern days, yeah, we, we've got the, uh, uh, the printing machine. <laughs> we've got the, uh, uh, the paper, the pages, and so on to be able to, to put it in, and, and the abilities to put it in people's languages. But that's only the last few hundred years. And there's a whole lot before that. So in this works of the law, we have to think in our culture now, if you, if you drive uh, every other road here, or almost every road, every half mile, you can drive 40 miles an hour, right? And we think nothing of it. We think this is great. Because you know what? The 40 miles an hour is so fast that you really don't have to do that. You shouldn't be bothered with it. So you never look at your speedometer because you're not going to break the law, right? If you drove in Milton Freewater and you came off of this big hill, you're coming down into the little town, and it's only a little town about a half mile long, you know, on, along the highway, and the, the road is 25 miles an hour. You come off of this really steep hill. A trucker, the brakes would be smoking, stinking when they come down those hills because you've got to get down to 25 miles an hour. And there's hardly any warning, you know, a few hundred feet up the hills where it said that the coming speed is. 25 miles an hour. You get to the flat, that's 25 miles an hour at the bottom of the hill. Here in this town, then you're not thinking of a law because you really can't break it unless you're really crazy, you know. What if you blow through a stop sign? Uh oh. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a different story, isn't it? They take you to court and what you, you plead not guilty, right? That's what everybody does. But do you really have a case? I mean, you did it. You drove through. Somebody saw you do it. You're guilty. You're not free. You're looking for justice of the court to say, I'm sorry, sir. I, I, you know, I, you know, I should have had my cell phone in my head. Or the phone rang at the wrong time. I was distracted. I didn't touch it, but I was distracted. You know? So I blew through a stop sign. Now you're looking for mercy, forgiveness, freedom, ju you know, justice. You're hoping not the justice of the law you know, says you're going to do 30 days in jail or something. You, know, you don't want that kind of justice. You don't want to have to pay for anything. You want forgiveness. You want the grace of the court. Do you see how we can look at this verse and get a totally different viewpoint? I know I shouldn't do it. I would never do this. I don't want to do this ever again. You know, please let me off. And that's how we're going to Jesus and talking to Jesus. Saying, I'm learning better. I know I should be doing better. But I stumble every once in a while. Or the old caught up with me and I stumbled over something. 
You're looking for grace, you're looking for mercy, so that it's not the justice of the law. Uh, I stopped a hundred times before, you know. <laughs> now, that doesn't count when you're there in front of the court. So here we're looking at not just the justice of the works of the law, but because of Christ and because of the Heavenly Father's mercy that we're looking for. Okay, we can go on down. Here there's uh, faith liberates us from the bondage of the law. And then again, that is, uh, we're trying to delve into this pretty deep. If the law cannot save us, what is its purpose? This will develop out more and more as we go down through this today. Uh, clearly one is justified before God by the law because of the righteousness we live by faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. In Galatians chapter 3, what does this mean, the curse of the law? Um, Galatians 3, 11, 12, 13. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Now the first part of that, because there's a law written on the book about not driving through red lights, that's not going to save us or justify us. That is just a piece of information. It shows that you're guilty. It doesn't justify you. Verse 12, And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. So we don't get the justification because the law made a statement. We're getting justification because Christ died for us for our forgiveness, because of the mercy of God, because of the love of, for us. So Christ took the curse. He took the sin. He took the nailing on the cross. He shedding his blood. He was put up on that device for our sake. He's taken the, the punishment from us and the cursing, the abuse, uh, the hatred that people would have towards somebody that would die that way or have been worthy of dying that way. The law tells us what sin is. So we should stay away from it, right? But most important, the law drives us to the grace of God. When we realize how guilty we are, we, we rush up to the bar and kneel before the judge and say, oh, please let me off, please forgive me. You know, it drives us to God. It drives us to the mercy of the Heavenly Father. It shows us our own weakness and makes us see that we can do nothing but throw ourselves on the mercy and love of God. The law is, uh, so, so the law is put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. And in Galatians 3, 23 through 25, it talks about the law virtually being a supervisor for us or directing us, guiding us. When we were very little, our parents told us what was square one and what we needed to do, and we'd get a spanking if we didn't, right? We learned the law. Later, we have to live by it. 
totally different understanding. We do it because we want to, because we're willing. So our supervisor, you might say. A second part of this would be faith appropriates the saving grace of Christ. And because of Galatians 2 verse 19, Paul is certain that through, through faith, Christ Jesus had done for him what he never could do for himself. It's Galatians 2 verse 19. For though I, uh, pardon me, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. He knows that the law kills him. He would be dead. But because of the grace of God, he's able to live. It drove him to the Heavenly Father, and he lives. So a second part of this idea of the sermon is to be free to grow in grace. And uh, chapter 5, we read that, chapter 5, verse 1, that we can stand firm uh, because we are free from the burden, the yoke of slavery. And Philippians uh, 1, verse 6, it says, being confident of this uh, one thing, I think it says in King James, let me look that up first. In Philippians chapter uh, 1, verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. We have this confidence <coughs> And if we stand on, on the faith and on the scriptures and on the love of God, we have that confidence that he'll keep doing it. He'll keep protecting us, keep trying, uh, taking us down the path so that we don't have to worry. But we will make it to, through to the end. So part uh, A on this second point would be to continue with the work of the Holy Spirit. We sure need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we need it to uh, uh, strengthen us and help us to grow in our spiritual life. In Zechariah 4, verse 6, it says, Not by my might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. We're not going to make it on our own. You know, we're not going to bolster up enough energy that we're going to make this sort of on our own. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit to be able to get us through it, to teach us and to help us grow. And we need to be full. Uh, in Ephesians 5, verse 18, it says, be filled with the Spirit. We need to really put our trust in God, grow in the Spirit, and be full of the Spirit. And uh, not to leave places hidden. Some people refer to those as strongholds, Satan's strongholds in our lives. We don't allow the Holy Spirit in there because you know, we've still got the stronghold. Uh, we've got to get rid of the strongholds. We've got to put Satan down and get rid of it. And then the Holy Spirit can rule all parts of our lives. In Galatians 2 and verse 20, it says there, uh, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Totally different look at how we see law and grace. His regular life, he says, is done for. I know it's useless. I know it was uh, all wrong type thing, wrong thinking, wrong going. 
so I'm going to get rid of all of that. I'm going to live in Christ and uh, have Christ in my life and then live for the Heavenly Father. And then you really will have life. You'll have real freedom. Yielding ourselves to the indwelling of the presence of Christ and not, it's not a, a once, one time I did that thing. It's a continual, all the time, lifelong experience. That's why Paul says, I die daily in 1 Corinthians 15, 30, 31, and also here in this verse, that I am crucified with Christ. He's died with Christ. When uh, Christ is in control of our lives, we are naturally wanting to read our Bible. That's why I keep presenting it to you. So remember, keep doing this. Uh, we naturally want to pray. We naturally want to witness to others. We found something really good. We want to tell somebody else, right? Um, we should have fellowship with other Christians, especially if we mean the household of faith coming to church and coming to those that believe like us. That's, that's a must and a necessity and a blessing to be able to come together and worship and fellowship. And if we're doing those things, we will grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So another, a third, third point here, we are free to live as members of God's family. Some interesting thoughts here. Uh, we can become Abraham's seed, Galatians 3, um, 26 through 29, uh, we can be adopted and grafted in and those things. Turn with me to chapter 3, Galatians 3, 26. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have put have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Um, first, you can take all these different nationalities all over the world. I'm going to need a drink, sorry. <clears throat> we can have all of these various countries that they're witnessing into and traveling to and going to, uh, and we can say we're, we're all one. How can that be? Well, because we got one book, one standard, you know, for doesn't matter what nationality, what country. So if we're all studying the same scripture, all behaving like we're all equal no matter what country, Antigua, <laughs> or wherever. We're all of one culture, right? We're all of one mannerism, one behavior, one thinking, one reasoning, mm -hmm. because all of it goes back to the scriptures. Okay, so that makes us equal. We're not higher than somebody else or better than somebody else, we're, we're, we're equal. Um, but we have this responsibility to take care of one another and to uplift one another, encourage one another, be devoted to brotherly love, honoring one another, preferring yourself. But Romans 12, verse 10, okay? It means that we reach out to others, we witness, we lead them to Christ, regardless of their past, their culture, or their social status. It means that we become members of God's family, 
and we are all accepted as equals. We are heirs. That's what that verse says. Right? The last part of that, we're Abraham's seed, we're heirs. We all have equal rights to the inheritance from the family. Uh, you start noticing this when the parents start dying and things are divvied up, even my neighbor's house and what's happening with her children, how they're divvying up things and is it equal, is it fair? You're equal heirs of what was there. Um, really interesting situation that we are heirs to the father's wealth. If we're heirs, and we're thinking on that, on the riches of the family, here's the words of a song. Some of you know it real well. My father is rich in houses and lands. He holds the wealth of the world in his hands. Of rubies and diamonds, of silver and gold, his coffers are full. He has riches untold. I once was an outcast, stranger on earth. Oh, I felt it. I was from Saskatchewan. That they used to call it Saskabush. Yeah, I was an outcast on earth. Very few friends in school. Your Sabbath keepers? No, that was part of it. But I was a sinner by choice. That's what the song says. That's true. I knew no better. The parents weren't doing right. So how would I know any better? I was an alien by birth. Sorry guys, I happened to be born up there. <laughs> Actually, they used to joke about it too. The people from British Columbia, if you asked a whole big group of people how many were born in British Columbia, there'd be almost no hands go up. <laughs> they were born somewhere else. You know? They'd all moved into British Columbia. Uh, yeah, an alien by birth, that song says. We know an alien outside of God's love and God's family. We didn't know about the Hebrew culture and history. We didn't know about the Bible. You're an alien. Next phrase. But I have been adopted. My name's written down. An heir to a mansion, a robe and a crown. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. With Jesus as my savior, I'm a child of the king. Fantastic. What we've inherited. Can we give somebody else a better chance of life in this world? Oh, yeah. How about the future? Yes, sir. You know, we can do it. We've got something to offer people. That's why we witness, why we testify, why we invite people to church and so on. Because we've got something to offer them. Another part here. We care and encourage others, yes, that's it, to bring people to Christ, to bring them to salvation. And if a Christian were to slip, Galatians 6, 1 through 3, if somebody falls, if your brother falls, you're supposed to help pick him up. Help them stand up again, get them back on their feet. We are to bear fruit because we love Christ, because we're a Christian. And the natural response to all of that is to bear fruit in Galatians 5. 22 through 23. We are to be productive. Galatians 6 verse 9. I'll read that one. 6 verse 9. 
and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. If you don't give up, you don't fall down, don't quit, don't you know, get slack. We need to be strong. Salvation by grace does not mean freedom from service, rather freedom to serve. The more we realize that we are members of God's family, not through any inherit, uh, any merit of our own, but solely through the grace of God, grace and, God, and love of God, the harder we will work, and the more productive we will become. Not to remain a member of God's family, but because of the thrill of being in the family of God, being a member of the family of God. Here's the old. Afro-American song that Paul's writing may have been like. Way down yonder in the graveyard walk, me and my Jesus going to meet and talk. On my knees when the light passed by, thought my soul would rise and fly. One of these mornings, bright and fair, go to meet Jesus, King Jesus, in the air. Free at last, free at last. Thank God, I'm free at last. God bless you.